0: Hello and welcome to Scran. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and on this episode you'll hear from the Campbelltown Malts Festival, which returned this year after a two-year absence. I went along to meet with various representatives of the whisky industry in Campbelltown to hear about how the area is experiencing a rebirth and looking towards a very healthy future for whisky production and tourism. First up, I spoke to David Allen, Director of Sales and Marketing at Springbank and Glengyle Distilleries. I asked him about the history of the area and its resurgence as a centre for whisky production on a rather windy day in Campbelltown.
1: We were once the whisky capital of the world. You could sort of stand here at Springbank and throw a stone over to Long Road Distillery from there over to uh, Rhea Clacken, uh, on our doorstep, Haysbourne Distillery, lots of distilleries here, and we were a very prosperous little town back in the, sort of, leading up to the 1920s. In the 1920s, there was a lot of, sort of, consolidation, prohibition, lots of things conspiring against us, and we were left for many years of just two distilleries, Springbank and Glen Scotia. Our chairman, Mr Wright, it was his great, great uncle who founded Glenguil Distillery, and when that Building came up for sale around the turn of the millennium. He decided to buy the, the building, the site, because it adjoins Springbank's site. And he thought, no, we never know what we'll do with that one day. But he's got a policy of um, buying uh, bits of land and property which adjoins onto his so he can expand into it or at least control who your neighbour's going to be. At the same time, the Campton status as a whiskey region is up in the air because we we're only two distilleries in a small remote town on the west coast of Scotland. It was thought that, you know, there wasn't enough distilleries here to be a, a standalone region. But Mr. Wright highlighted mm. to the, the governing body that the Lowland region only had three distilleries at this time. So surely if Campbellton had one more, they'd have to give us the same recognition and the sort of response was, Well you're not you're not going to go and build a new distillery just to prove this point are you? But it's pretty much essentially what he did. We revived or uh, resurrected Glengyle and got the distills running in the year two thousand to be the the first new distillery of the millennium and safeguard Camptown's status as a whisky region. There's been a bit of a resurgence, there's sort of two or three distilleries in the pipeline at different stages of sort of planning or whatever, but it's going to be a good boost to the region and Campbelltown I think is catching up with the rest of Scotland which has seen a resurgence in new whisky distilleries Uh, it's about time they sort of found Campbelltown again.
0: I asked David if he felt the local whisky producers were supportive of each other and how he expects the festival to go.
1: The Scotch whisky is quite good as we have this sort of good collaboration and we're a united front internationally. And the same goes for, for Campbelltown, that we'll have this sort of collective um, goal where we're building up the reputation of Campbelltown again. And at our open day tomorrow, we'll have some of the new distilleries uh, here talking about their new distilleries. So yeah, absolutely, we welcome these guys. We have quite small allocations of, of stock right now, so we can't necessarily grow our business through selling more whiskey or promoting Springbank or Kerkeren. But what we can do is encourage people to come to visit us, spend money on tours and our washback bar and our shop. Also, the, the community benefits from people staying in hotels and eating out in restaurants. And when we have more distilleries, we're going to stay here not for just one or two days to visit ourselves in Glen Scotia. They're going to stay here and visit lots more distilleries, and the town's going to benefit from that.
0: I wondered whether there'd been a specific point in time when Springbank had become quite sought after.
1: It's always been a sort of upward trajectory, I think, since I've worked here in terms of demand. When I started working at Springbank, it was so much, so this is back in 2013, it was still a hand sell and maybe Springbank would sell it but maybe Longmore or Hazelburn wasn't quite as popular and it's slowly sort of been ramping up and then I don't know what happened during lockdown <laughs> but every, everybody decided to be at home I think in ordering whiskey online or researching whiskey and become massive whiskey fans and Springbank fans and we've seen a lot of sort of this pent up demand uh, as things have opened up and now it's uh, this is the, the most demand the craziest it's ever been for us certainly yeah, and that's yeah reflected in the, the queue standing out the the shop right now at uh, quarter to five on a, a Wednesday afternoon so tomorrow is our big Springbank day so it's all about Springbank we've got plenty of tastings going on a special tasting with our new 30 year old uh, Springbank we've got our directors of production director of production doing an art and science thing there's something for everyone new and forthcoming releases we've got a festival bottlings uh, on sale as well so tomorrow will be a busy day and then on the Friday, we've got our Gyle, so our Kilcarran single malt made at Gyle, And our independent bottler, which is our sister company, they have their open day uh, on the Friday as well. So again, it's a busy day, maybe not quite as busy as today. Having said that, I think this will be one of the busiest years for it.
0: Next up, I chatted to Ian McAllister, Master Distiller at Glen Scotia. We're back at in-person events at the Camelton Maltz Festival, so how does that feel for the first time in two years?
2: Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. It's great to be back, it's great to see happy smiling faces. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Fantastic feeling.
0: And how it kind of grown over the years, obviously, up to not including the pandemic? Like, how how's the festival kind of evolved?
2: Oh, the festival. I mean, the, the beauty of the festival at Glen Scotia is, and it's obviously the Campbelltown's Malt Festival comes under that umbrella, Glen Scotia Malt's Festival. Glen Scotia was really not part of that in the early days, you know, so we used to be here, going about our business in the, the early days, would see all these people arriving in Campbelltown to participate. So, yeah, it, it's wonderful for us. It's been a, It's been a... A process of evolution, I think. You know, we've obviously we've obviously learned every year. It's 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 went on. We've obviously built on it and developed it to where we are um, today. So yeah, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey.
0: And how long have you worked here?
2: I've been here for fifteen years now. Came from an engineering background with a, a water provider. It's the best way of describing it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I I mean, I started back in the era when uh, Glen Scotia was producing 80,000 litres. There was three guys, including myself here. I left a perfectly good job to come in the industry. Uh, I think that people thought I was mad when I was, told them I was leaving the job I was in. I think that people thought I was mad who were in here working at the time when I told them I was coming in. So yeah, it, it was pretty much a baptism by fire for me. and. Um, Wonderful, wonderful industry, wonderful experience. And I've obviously got to witness the distillery growing, develop and reach, obviously, the heady heights of world success. Brilliant.
0: And what made you want to come into the whisky industry?
2: I've always had a love for whisky. Not not, that I like drinking a lot, but I've always had a love for whisky, uh, coupled with the history, the history of my hometown. So I think these two factors drove me um, you know to obviously get involved in the the whisky industry so it's been absolutely fantastic.
0: And so you're from Campbelltown?
2: Yes yes I was born in Campbelltown I was brought up in Carradale which is a small village slightly further north but yeah this has been my neck of the woods Campbelltown.
0: And was there one specific whisky that you thought this is the one for me that's kind of led you on the journey to where you're now?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of whiskies, you know, some of the whiskies produced nowadays are fantastic, but in the early days for me, a lot of the Ailey whiskies really caught my attention, a lot of the older whiskies, and um, there were some Taliskers, you know, some incredibly interesting fruity whiskies, totally different than what you're getting today from a lot of distilleries, but a lot of these older whiskies really, you know, I really found interest in but yeah, it's, it's it's hard to pin one whiskey down, yeah, for sure. Um, it's just the whole the whole ethos of the industry really caught my attention.
0: Yeah, and obviously coming from roundabout here, and the history of the place, how does it feel to work for one of the few? Well the two originals that are left.
2: Yeah, it's it's special. You know, it's special. It almost was special. Uh, when I started, it was Loch Loman Distillers. And now it's Loch Loman Group. Glen Scotia's always had that Campbelltown Association for a long time now, you know, really since uh, way back, well over 100 years now, when you consider it. So it's always been special. Obviously, if it was a fully functioning distillery, where it should be, you know, the height, its power, its confidence back, then it would probably be slightly different for me. The fact that it was down in its luck, no one really came here, no one visited, then it, it's, it's even more special for me that I've seen it, you know, obviously grow, get its confidence back, develop and obviously move into its rightful place as one of the distilleries in Campbelltown. So Campbelltown
0: is a whiskey, acknowledged acknowledge whiskey region, but obviously it's a place what is a, a sort of traditional Campbelltown whiskey? What, what, would, what would the main tasting notes or the main sort of things to look for?
2: Yeah, a good question. I mean, Campbelltown, obviously, there's the three distilleries in Campbelltown at the moment. There's potentially going to be uh, more. So, you know, there's a kind of certain similarities about them all for sure. You know, that coastal effect. Campbelltown effect. So when you consider Glen Scotia, absolutely, you've got a robustness, you've got a a lovely viscosity, you know, there's oils there, there's salinity, but importantly, you've got that wonderful fruit flavours, you know, so you should get a lovely, through fermentation uh, extension of that whisky experience, if you like. So you're really looking for that. Sometimes it can be, you know, with certain casks, a bit funky, a bit dirty, a bit peaty, you know, so when you consider all that, then you're really looking at your ideal Campbelltown whiskey.
0: Um, and you've touched on the sort of potential new distilleries that are coming. How, what what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like Campbelltown's back on the up?
2: Absolutely, it's it's got its confidence back. You know, it really has got its confidence back. You know there is an air of, uh, and it's not just whiskey in Campbelltown. You know obviously there's there's a lot happening with uh, you know world events and. and people are moving, people are obviously, you know, they're they're um they're changing their habits potentially. Whiskey's obviously not unlike that. You know, there there is an element of it's developing. It certainly is, you know it's it's certainly a renaissance, the word it's bandied about now Campbelltown. Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's wonderful to see it developing the way it has. It's been a long time coming to be fair but it's finally got here I think it was just a matter of time a time before it actually did get to Campbelltown and not other places so because
0: there was a lot of distilleries here
2: absolutely yeah I mean yeah potentially up to 36 different distilleries here you know at one time there could be 22 distilleries running as I say in the, you know, the, the latter half of the 19th century so it was pretty unique for a town, mm-hmm. a region to have all these distilleries Working in one small area. It's a ready made history. It has got all the basis for a, any potential distiller to obviously make their mark.
0: It's funny to think there were so many distilleries. They've obviously, the majority of them have gone and then new ones are being built. Like they, the buildings and everything's gone. It's funny, like. They
2: just kept them. Kept <laughs> the just belt. Them down and, and yeah. Well, <laughs> I know Hind- hindsight's a great <laughs> thing, isn't it? You know, and unfortunately, when a lot of the closures happened, you know, obviously the you go back to the nineteen twenties, early twenties. Then it, it was a tough old world, you know. The world events, end of the you know the depression, end of World War One, Prohibition, uh, slightly further on. There was a lot of different elements that really, you know. There was no room for any romanticism or anything like that with industry. The industry was gone, that was it. It was, it was dead, it was buried. People had to move on, you know, people had to live. Because, it, it, don't get me wrong, you know, it was a tough industry. It really was a tough industry until quite recently. You know, it had a lot of issues. So it's good to see, you know, that obviously that is, that is changed and people are looking what's left historically and potentially, you know, physically and trying to obviously incorporate that in our potential plans.
0: You've won a couple of awards recently, so you've 25-year-old was the best whiskey in the world and the best distillery, the...
2: Whiskey awards. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah.
0: What does that mean for the team?
2: Fantastic, isn't it? You know, it's obviously, a, it's a new experience for us, you know, winning gold medals. <laughs> it's, it's never happened before. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful, obviously, to see the team getting rewarded for all the hard work. And all that all that investment is obviously behind Glint Scotia, you know. So it is it's fantastic to see. It really is, you know, and it's it's something really consolidates the progress that we've made to date so we can build on that and push forward again. So as I say, one in world whiskey of the year out of three thousand plus whiskies at the San Francisco Spirits Award, twenty twenty one was obviously um, a high point and something special and again obviously the Scottish Whiskey Distillery of the Year the Scottish Whiskey Award some serious heavyweights in there so yeah it's, it's it's wonderful to see and what a journey
0: yeah and it's still pretty accessible I mean you've probably asked this a lot but Springbank's become you know people are really going mad for that and it's quite hard to get whereas Glen Scotia you're it's it's accessible. I and mean, people people want to buy it. They can buy the full range. I mean, you know, you've got your festival bottlings, which we can see behind you. I know I've got the last year's one with the um, Burgundy cask, which was uh, Burgundy finish already, which was lovely. But it's not unachievable for people to be like, I'm going out and buying that and trying it and enjoying it.
2: No, that that's right. You know, and it's good to see. You know, and I think that's really important. You know, because in, there is an element of Campbelltown. You know, three distilleries. The production levels not even a million liters. So there is a demand for Campbelltown. Potentially, it's, that demand's going to go up because it's just there's not the production here. You know, it's it's, it's a small small region. Uh, it's an interesting region. It's a region that's really caught the public psyche. Everyone's really interested in it. So it's it's good that obviously we obviously release this year the the eight year old. PX Hogshead finish so it was good that obviously we can release bottles like that and potentially you've got 20,000 plus bottles which will hopefully meet the demand for a little while ultimately it does disappear I think that's important I think it is important that you know whiskey you don't create the hype and the desire to have a bottle and then you find out you can't get it because there's nothing worse you you telling someone you can't get a bottle so So it's important that it obviously is accessible.
0: I mean, do you think that's what the tipping point is, it's the supply and demand? If when there's not, not a lot of supply but a lot of demand, is that the tipping point that turns certain bottles or certain distilleries into, you know, the thing to try and cure in the street for? Aye,
2: I think so. I think, you know, I think when you've got a, a certain production level, with any bottling, you know, if you've, if you've got a limited amount, and obviously there is that desire, you know, whether it's for consumption or whether it's for other means, then it's, you know, it's it's obviously going to drive that demand to people who maybe go to extreme lengths to get a bottle, which is, in fairness, it's 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 no fault of any distillery, it's just the demand for it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, it really is. And... I hope we don't go down that route, you know. And as I say, a lot of that's out with our control, you know. What, what happens with the the bottles, you know? If, for me personally, you know, the whisky is for for enjoying and uh, uh, celebrating the, you know, the 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 different aspects of the distillery.
0: Well, thank you very much.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, Rosalind. Lovely talking to you.
0: Becky Paskin, who is a whiskey expert and writer, told me about her role in the festival and what it's like to be back after two years away.
3: During the Camel Malts Festival, I've been running a seminar whisky tasting called the Whisky Experiment. And it's a bit out there, a bit wild, and we're inviting people to come into this cool warehouse it's a racked warehouse full of casks and we've turned all the lights out and we've turned it into a kind of tasting lounge where we are messing with people's perception of flavor so we're not changing anything that's in the glass but we're changing their environment and asking them to think about flavor in a very different way it's really cool there's some very confused faces but ultimately it's a really interesting experiment to really understand how our environment affects our own perception of flavour. To be back here after two years, after such an awful couple of years where we've had to stay away is just magical. It's amazing. The people here really make Campbelltown and to see it all come to life again, people milling about in the courtyard at Glen Scotia and the streets full, the hotels are full, there are queues outside the whiskey shops, people buying bottles, it's It's what this town was made for. This is a whiskey town. So to see it being brought back to life for the Camel Town Malts Festival is just so special. I'm so excited for the future of Camel Town because We've got a couple of distilleries that are in planning stages. So hopefully they're opening in the next year or two. Uh, I've heard rumours of others wanting to come to town as well. There's the Virgin Galactic Base nearby by the airport as well. That's happening too. And I just think the more projects that can come to this town, which was once the epicentre of the whisky industry, to bring back the economy, to bring back the life to Campbelltown, it's just so exciting. And you can you can feel it here. There's such a buzz of Participation in the air it's it's exciting it's brilliant what's interesting is that once upon a time Campbelltown whiskey was not really deemed suitable for blending because the palate of the Americans and of the English was for really light style blended whiskey but now we're in an era where single malt is really revered and actually people are wanting those full-bodied oily styles of whiskey and that is Campbelltown Campbelltown has that in spades so why would you not want to see more of those whiskies on the market so I really do think there's a renaissance here for, for Campbelltown.
0: Becky runs Our Whiskey, a whiskey subscription club which aims to attract all types of whiskey drinkers from novices to collectors. I asked her what her plans for the future were for Our Whiskey.
3: Our whisky is growing so rapidly. It's so fun to see the subscription club is growing and it's so exciting. We've had some amazing whiskies so far. Our first batch was with JJ Corey and uh, Coach Built, so we had Jensen Button on our first tasting. And this month we have Glen Scotia and Ardbeg's festival bottlings as well. So it's actually, I think, the only subscription club where you can taste those festival bottlings, which is really fun. And going forward, we just really want to select some amazing whiskies for the community that, that are supporting us, that are rallying around us because we are a whiskey club for everybody. So we're really looking to our subscribers to tell us what they want to taste next. So I can't tell you what's next because it's up to it's up to the subscribers to tell us. So but it's such a exciting subscription club. I'm really happy to be a part of it. The Our Whiskey Foundation is also going really well. We've just had our first intake of mentees for our mentorship program. We've had around 42 applications from around the world, from Canada to Australia, Africa, Finland, America, uh, India, all over the place. Women who are looking for the next step in their career or advice to progress. And we've been able to match them with mentors from across the industry. And hopefully we'll start to really nurture the next generation of women in our industry, which is super exciting. There's lots more plans to come. I can't talk about it just yet, but there's lots on the cards, so bright future.
0: My next stop was to sit down with whisky writer, expert and all round aficionado, Charles McLean, who has been involved with the festival since its inception. Okay, so I'm now joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Charles McLean. (laughs) 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 How are you?
4: I'm fine. I've had a, I've had a, a long day of, of whisky tasting and, and presenting whiskies at, at, uh, at Glen Scotia Distillery in Campbelltown, where I am for the, for the, the Campbelltown Whisky Festival. The, there's a great sense of release here, you know, that the, the, not only because they've been locked down. I've been helping with the Campbelltown Whisky Festival for, since it started. So it's an amazing place, and now the good news is there are three distilleries currently in Campbelltown, and Springbank, Glen Scotia, and uh, Glen Gile. There are another two that will go ahead, and another, a further two, which are proposed. And so, if you like, there's a renaissance in in distilling in Campbelltown. Campbelltown, of course, is one of the five whisky regions. Even though there's only three, three distilleries in the late 19th century, there were 38 distilleries. It was the whisky capital. Then it declined, and by 1930 there were only three: Scotia, Springbank, and one called Riechrachen, which closed in 1934. So it, it has had its ups and downs, and it became really because of not, not only because of the whisky but the fishing. It became rather depressed. I mean, I've known Campbelltown for 30, 30 more years, and the uh, and it was a shabby old place, and the fishing was down, and the economy was down, everything was very depressed. But my goodness me, it's really picked up. In recent years, and I would say probably in the last 10, 15 years, you know, it's, a, it's a, a vibrant place. And the people, they're called Tunis. the people that live in Campbelltown are called Tunis, And everybody knows everybody, everybody's at school, everybody, everybody, they're so cheery and friendly, and so knowledgeable and proud of their town, especially since, the, the, since it's, you know, pulled itself up by its bootstraps, as it were.
0: I asked Charles whether he thinks the festival is set to grow, considering Campbelltown's renaissance as a whisky region.
4: Undoubtedly. I mean, look what's, look, look what's happened in Isla. I mean, they've been, they've been very clever placing this very small whisky festival here the week before the massive Isla and so a lot of the overseas enthusiasts will go on to Isla, and that's of course a whole week. And I mean, hundreds of people, I mean, hun- thousands of people arrive on Isla for, for the fish, Isla. Obviously, Campbelltown will never be as big, but in many ways that's an advantage because it's more intimate, and the welcome is the same as the visitors get on Isla. But I think as, as as more distilleries are commissioned in Campbelltown or nearby, it'll attract m- many more people, possibly en route to Isla, possibly just as a as a pilgrimage destination in its own right.
0: I wondered what Charles thought of the current state of the whisky industry, considering the current boom. He recounts some of the trends over the years that may signal a bust will come at some stage.
4: It's bound to be worrying because the, the history of the whisky industry is, is one of booms and busts, the big boom in the 1890s. Collapsed disastrously in 1900. Change in fashion, overproduction, and there was a terrific scandal in 1899, which destroyed confidence in the whiskey industry. And then, after the Second World War, where the stocks were severely depleted, Scotch whiskey, blended Scotch, was the the drink of the free world. Not only, well, in America, the Scotch whiskey companies had to sell. Well, initially, just immediately after the war, 75% of their releases to America to help repay the war debt. And that declined to about 25, over, over Let's the next 10 years, it was down to about 25%. But there was a chronic shortage, because barley was rationed for distilling until, I think, 1952, it was either 52 or 54. It couldn't even make enough spirit It became the drink of the free world, post-fascist world, not only in America and in the UK, but in Italy, France, and even Germany. A gentleman told me who was an Italian, I said, how do you you account for that in Italy? It's easy, he said. It was advertised by Hollywood and introduced by the GIs, the the liberating forces coming into Italy. Um, Actually, I I later learned that the GIs drank bourbon, but their officers drank scotch. (laughs) And so there was a huge boom after the war, which led to you know massive, you know expansion and production expansion and so on and so, so on to meet the, the demand. And then fashion changed towards the end of the which were the early '80s, and lo and behold, you've got the same problem as they had in 1900: massive overproduction, far much more mature whiskey than was required to meet the demand. And so plunging, there was something like 20, 22 distilleries closed in 1983 and 1985. And so it was a dire time. But the industry managed to get things balanced up. And then in and then the 90s, you, you began to, well, in the 80s and 90s, you really got the beginning of malt whisky coming on. And so we're in a situation now, a growth such as has never been history, never been seen before in the history of the industry. I know of 42 new distilleries commissioned since 2008. I know of another 40 which are proposed. Many of them won't come about. The big question is, will the world suck up all the Scotch whiskey that's going to be made?
2: Hi, my name is Matt Loren. New York City in New York. This is, I think, my eighth time to Campbelltown. I've been coming out since 2012, every year for the festival, having a great time each year. It feels incredible. I mean, it's so good. I mean, I've still been drinking the whiskey back home, but there's something about seeing it with the people and enjoying it with everybody. Going into the warehouses,
0: trying the different experiences, having a great time. Ian Croucher, co director of Dalriata, told me about the new whiskey and plans for their Campbelltown distillery.
5: Yeah, myself and my co-director, Ronnie Grant, we are both whiskey enthusiasts at heart. And I firmly believe that Campbelltown produces some of the most finest whiskey, that Scotch whiskey that is um, available to man. Now, what you've got to understand about Campbelltown is it is the most beautiful town in Scotland. Uh, in my opinion, without question, the, everything about it. Now you're starting with the whisky, then you're thinking about the the views and then the people and the speed of which all of these things work together in tandem. It is a perfect place to make whisky. The history from over 30 distilleries in Campbelltown and 1929 before that, I just think it lends itself to needing a resurgence. It needs People that want to create have the the ability to create and that are blessed to be in a position to invest something in a town like Campbelltown. It is perfect. Okay, Isla, great, what a wonderful place to make whiskey and the products great. Space is amazing also. It's got its qualities. But it's incredible how Campbelltown has yet to have this interest of people investing in it. But now it's gonna happen. Now it's gonna be Campbelltown is the new Isla. Just you wait, it's gonna it's gonna be great. It's not just Dalreata. It's, uh, there's other people, there's Rasse Distillery, they're building this magnificent place in Macrahannish, which is beyond exciting, right next to the airport. It is, it's Campbelltown's time, you know, Campbelltown's time. We would very much be sticking to the Campbelltown way of life and Campbelltown flavor, and I think we would be absolutely mad to go down any other route. That is why we're here. We love that salty air, the western seaboard kind of maturation, all the, The slow distillation, the slow way of life, everything is just slower. And that slow, kind of wonderful, true, lovely, kind of creative lifestyle lends itself to whiskey. So it's not broken, we're not gonna fix it. Let's just do it slow, get it right. Let's make some mistakes. Let's make things perfect. Let's just do everything we can to make something truly wonderful and honest that people will hopefully believe in.
0: I asked Ian what it's like working alongside the other more established distilleries.
5: The other distilleries in Campbelltown, Glen Gyle, Springbank, and Glen Scotia—they're just, you know, I mean, as uh, growing up and getting, becoming more of a whiskey enthusiast, these were godlike companies that I just, uh, I had so much admiration for, and the distiller of. Glen Scotia especially Ian McAllister he's just an absolute legend of the highest degree I mean my my child when she was about two months old her first distillery tour was Glen Scotia and Ian McAllister was the kind gentleman that uh, was so generous with his time showing us round. so that is just a great ambassador for Campbelltown these types of people these types of places that you go Springbank again what I mean, what a wonderful operation. And all these people could not be happier that, as far as I am aware, that there's another string to the bow of people coming in. Hopefully people will come in and there's more reason to come to Campbelltown now. Springbank, Glen Scotia could not be more open arms to us.
0: As Campbelltown is set for this renaissance, I asked Ian what people could expect.
5: It's small by size, but not by love, you know, and not by power and not by flavour. It's like, it's just these like amazing things that is behind the curtain of, you know, and there's so many enthusiasts that know what's behind that curtain. You know, they know what the secrets of Campbelltown, but I think the more and more people that invest and visit, and come and they realise what's behind that curtain it's uh, it's magical it's absolutely magical and I can't wait to share it
0: My final stop on my trip to the Campbelltown Maltz Festival was to have a chat with the artist in residence at Scotia, Alice Angus I asked her how she'd come to the role and what it consisted of
6: I got contacted by Jen and Nick who worked with Glen Scotia and they said they wanted to bring on an artist for the festival and to make some new work about Glen Scotia and the sort of everyday life and heritage and the people in Glen Scotia that would become part of packaging for special limited edition bottling and would be paintings and work that they would tour to different whisky festivals and they would launch some of it at the festival here. And so we had a conversation about what that might be and it ended up being an artist in residence. It's been incredible, I'd always wanted to be like in my fantasy world, an artist in residence in a distillery (laughs) like high on the list. So when they first got in touch, I wasn't quite sure if it was real or not. And because of COVID and all the restrictions and people getting ill, we were quite late starting and it wasn't really until I got here that I realized it was real. But it's been amazing and the reason, the reason it's been such a rewarding project to work on is because the people in the distillery have been so welcoming. In my work I quite often go and work in people's places of work and pretty much people are always welcoming but you never know what it's going to be like and whether you're going to be havering around drawing and it's actually going to make someone really uncomfortable and they're not going to want you there. I'm quite open about my drawing so I always let people see what I'm doing and I chat about it and I use it as a way to tell stories and get to know people um, and the people here every one of the small team that work in Scotian were all really welcoming I would say tell me if I'm in your way sitting here and they would always go no no you're not in our way even though I probably was in their way and they would climb around me and they're going no no you're not <laughs> in our way and so as it developed I, I came here for like a week to 10 days at a time and I'd produce drawings on always on site, always from life. Um, and then I would let people see the drawings or I'd chat to them about something and then they would tell me something else. So I'd been drawing Archie Filling and then we'd go into a conversation about the smells of the Whiskey in the different parts of the distillery. And he said, Oh, Warehouse One is amazing because it smells different at different times of year and at different levels. So then I went to draw Warehouse One and sat in there and experienced that. And so that happened quite often, or I would be drawing bits of engineering and someone would come along and tell me the names of those and what they did, and then I'd consequently go and draw some more. So, in a in that sort of organic way, the four works that are going to be on the packaging and the, the big paintings that Glen Scotia are going to be touring, they evolved from all those conversations. So it, all the things that people told me have kind of come into that. and And I don't think that would have been possible if they hadn't been so welcoming and so keen to kind of share their passion for what they do. And the other thing that really struck me is how committed and dedicated everyone is so right it's a job and it's a 12 hour shift and it must be hard work and tiring and sometimes you don't want to come to work but everyone that I spoke to or observed while they're here they really take seriously taking care of what they produce and and I think that's part of maybe having being like caring about your community and having a pride in community and that was really inspiring and it's a kind of something really important and I think that's why the distilleries like this although they go through ups and downs survive because when they're in the downs and the whiskey's not producing there are still casks in the warehouses that someone's looking after so things are kind of handed from one generation to the next generation to the next generation so there's all this sort of commitment and care and dedication that goes into it. drawing is always part of my practice and I've always got in my mind things that I want to push in my drawing as drawing as a practice rather than as to illustrate something and some of my drawing is very abstract and based on sounds and some of it's really incredibly realistic and when I got here I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do but my first week in the distillery it's such a complicated space there's there's perspectives and like masses of ellipses at different angles. There's lots of big circular things. There's things that travel through two or three floors. So there's like interesting verticals. But then there's also masses of smells that are unfamiliar. Vibrations through the floor because it's sort of like an engine room. And there's people and the people are doing things that you haven't seen bodies do before. So that's unfamiliar as well. Yes, yeah, so the smell and sound and vibration and visual stimulus so I had to strip it right back at the beginning and I just did these pencil drawings which some ended up being very detailed because I love engineering but also it gave me an opportunity to just sit somewhere and just quietly start to take it all in and then I started to bring in more expressive things and more colour slightly later on and at the same time as doing these quite sort of delicate pencil drawings. I would also have my sketchbook on me with a kind of bigger, rougher implement and when someone would get up to do something, I would sketch because on a 12-hour shift in the still room, for instance, the still person will sit still for a while and when something changes like a smell or a sound, they'll get up and they'll do things, but they don't necessarily do them for they don't necessarily do the same thing over and over again. So as an artist, you sometimes have to see the same thing a few times to draw it. So it was good to have a practice where I was drawing something like just drawing the stills, and then I could move from that to drawing Sean when he was doing things, and then I could move back to drawing the stills. And then I would show those drawings to people and they'd tell me stories, and then I'd go on to the next thing. So it was like a circular process.
0: I asked Alice if this role had changed her perspective on whisky and what would happen to the work she had completed as part of her residency.
6: I don't drink a lot of anything actually but I love the smell of whisky and I like to have a taste of whisky and I'm really, I think it's amazing the it's amazing the way of whisky tasters and experts talk about it but I've always loved a distillery tour and I love the I love the mixture of ancient technology and modern technology that is evident in a distillery. It's kind of like farming, you've got the ancient and the modern. and So I've always really, really appreciated it. It's given me a really, a really kind of deeper perspective on it, partly because while I've been here, I've heard a lot of people talking about whisky, but not, not just talking about it in the way you would in tasting, but talking a lot about the chemistry, which was very interesting, talking about how the shape of the still affects the whisky how important the copper is in the production of the whiskey, how different fermentation times change things. And the smell when they're fermenting a pita drum really gets into your clothes and it got into all my paper. The other smells did as well, but months later, the one that's really strong is the, the smell of the fermentation of the pita And so you start thinking some, there's something about that chemical compound that that's, lasts. So actually that has given me a really different appreciation whiskey and then I've been out in Campbelltown drawing wildlife and the sea and every now and again I smell a smell that then reminds me of a taste of the whiskey which is something I'd never done before but I think the thing that I hadn't expected when I came here was the way I would start to recognize smells from the distillery in other things in the world around me. And and not just smells from a finished whiskey, but smells from in the distillery. Like an obvious one is the mushroom smelling of porridge, but then there's all the other, the new make spirit when that comes and the fermentation, which is not the nicest smell, but I kind of like it because it's sort of interesting and it's like lots of different things. And I'd go home and I'd start smelling it in other places. I mean, some of that was because it was on me, but... (laughs) <laughs> but a lot of it was me recognizing it in other things. Well, this work, I think, is going to go to some other places. It's going to go to some other whiskey festivals. I may possibly go to China. Um, so I'm sort of continuing to be involved in it a little bit. Um, I've then got a series of work I'm doing on my own, which is basically Bodies in Motion. So it's all about people dancing at work. I draw people on, when I'm in London, mudlarking on the River Thames because they're bending down and digging things up. and So I'm starting to bring that whole body of work together. So I'm having a bit of a, after this I'm going to sort of consolidate some things and then decide where I'm going, what I'm
0: going to do next. Thanks to my guests for being on this episode of Scran and thanks to you for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.